This is lesson four on the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, this is the power gifts, as we've said previously, and I think you've watched the previous two via video. The nine gifts of the Spirit are broken up into three groups of three, and it's just amazing how God does everything in perfection. He's, he's not a second-hand thinking kind of God. When God opens his mouth and declares something, all the wisdom of God ever decided was in it in that moment. So things are just perfect. So you have nine gifts, three sets of three, three revelation gifts, three vocal gifts, and now three power gifts. These are the only nine ways in which the Holy Spirit exhibits himself. If there were more, there would be ten gifts of the Spirit. But as it is, there's only nine gifts. And, of course, we've covered in previous lessons that the term gifts is actually a misnomer. It's not 100% accurate. We're so entrenched in this since 1919 now, we're not ever going to reverse it. We're not going to be able to call it the nine manifestations of the Spirit. But in all technicality, if you will read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in detail and pay attention, you will see that they are the nine manifestations. In fact, the word gifts is not even in 1 Corinthians 12.1. It says now concerning spiritual or pneuma or pneumatos. That means things of the spirit. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. The word gifts comes down when it talks about gifts, administrations, and operations. And they are three categories, the same Lord, the same spirit, the same God. They, each of the members of the Godhead doing something different. Nine, uh, you have the giftings, you have administrations, you have operations. Then it goes on to say, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all for unto one is given. So what we're really talking about with these nine, quote, gifts is nine manifestations. That lets us know something more important, that these aren't just gifts that you have and you can make them do what you want to, kind of like I'm a gifted artist, I'm a gifted singer, I'm a gifted juggler. If you're gifted, and I'm none of those, by the way, if, and you're like, well, really, you can juggle? No, 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 that was all hypothetical. I tried juggling once, and it, uh, it was just with one ball, and I wasn't even really good at that. I don't know if that's juggling or just catching. Um, if you are gifted with something, you can turn it on or off as you want to. But if it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, you can't turn that on or off as you want to. It manifests as he wants to. And so that's one of the things that helps us to understand this. Once in college, I was friends with a guy who had um, scoliosis, and he, he had to always wear a, a, one of those full-body chest braces, spine braces. And we were in the cafeteria there at Tech, and I said... I, Remember his last name, Brad. Brad was his first name. I said, Brad, if you want, I'll pray for you, man. My God will heal you. And he said, well, do you have the gifts of healing? I said, no. Nobody has the gifts of healing. He said, no, the Bible is very clear uh, that uh, just one is given the gifts of healing. And I said, even if I did, Brad, I can't turn that on or off as I please. But I can pray for you by faith in the name of Jesus and believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said, well, I'm just going to wait for somebody with the gifts of healing. And I said, well, then you're going to be waiting a long time because even if they did have it like you think they can have it, they can't turn it on or off as they want to. And so we have to understand these only manifest, the Bible's very clear, as he wills, as God wills. So we can't just say, well, like they used to say of the healing of animals, why don't they just go clean out the hospital? Well, they, they don't turn it. It's not like some mutant ninja power. It's not like X-Men where they can make the blades come out of their hand anytime they want and turn things to ice anytime they want. This is not how this works. It manifests as the Lord wills. And if the Lord doesn't want it to, then it doesn't. Amen. All right. So with that said, let's, uh, let's jump into this. The power gifts are manifestations of God's power. And the Greek word is dunamis. Most of you are very familiar with that term. Uh, it's where we get our word dynamite or explosive power. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit performing 
accomplishing, changing, or creating something. And so the power gifts are different than the other six gifts. They, the power gifts don't reveal anything. The power gifts don't speak anything. The power gifts do something. These are, to the natural eye, the most spectacular of the gifts of the Spirit. These are the miraculous gifts. The, gifts of, the gift of faith, or as it's called special faith, is the best of the power gifts. It is listed first. When things are listed first, it's on purpose. Remember, uh, Paul said the greatest of these is love. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? Fruit, uh, gift, yeah, fruit of the Spirit is love. So when we talk about these power gifts, we're talking about the Holy Spirit exhibiting and showing off in a powerful, miraculous way. These are really what we need. We see a lot of the other six gifts of the Spirit, even in this church on a regular basis. We see the revelation gifts a lot. We see the vocal gifts a lot. We don't see a lot of these miraculous gifts, these power gifts, but this is really what we need. And it's been prophesied many times that the power gifts would increase, and we really need to set our faith as a church and as individual believers to see more of this. And some of it's going to require us to step out in faith and not feel anything and just lay hands on somebody or just pray for somebody or just declare something and watch God back us up. If we wait for a feeling, though, we'll never experience anything. What we need to do is just step out in faith. When I was very, very hungry, zealous, almost recklessly zealous, I just looked for a limp as an excuse to witness to somebody. I just looked for a crutch. I looked for a broken arm. I looked for any reason because sickness is a very common thing you can experience with somebody. And I always, usually almost always talk to people on crutches with a broken leg because of my own personal broken leg. And I usually always try to work the conversation around to praying for them. Because if you don't ever put the word of God out there, you don't ever give the Holy Spirit room to operate or manifest. So part of the reason we may not be seeing power gifts more is that we're afraid, what if God doesn't show up? Well, how about you flip it the other way and say, what if he does? You just lay hands on people. What happens after that's not your problem. That's God's dealing. So you just lay hands on the sick and he'll do whatever he wants to after that. So our first uh, power gift is faith, or as the Amplified calls it, special faith. And they use that, that nomenclature to distinguish it from just the simple gift of faith, the faith that everybody has, or saving faith. As special faith is a supernatural endowment of faith. And again, think of it as like a, a turbocharge. You can't turn this thing on or off. It comes as he wills. This is above and beyond the normal measure Every Christian has been given, which enables him to sustain an unwavering trust in God for their personal protection or provision. And that's the key here, personal protection or provision. How do we have these definitions, Pastor? We have these definitions by looking at these gifts in operation throughout the entire Bible and by understanding the rule that these are separate and individual. There is no overlapping. So special faith does not heal the sick, gifts of healing heals the sick. All right, so then where does that leave us with special faith? Well, the things that don't heal the sick, the things uh, that don't work miracles. It has also been used biblically to pronounce blessings upon a people. Special faith receives a miracle and is different from working of miracles. Working of miracles works a miracle. That's why God called it the working of miracles. Faith or special faith allows God to work for us. So by faith we receive. So if we're talking about faith and we apply all of our basic understanding of faith, faith believes, faith receives. Faith believes, faith receives. So therefore special faith receives supernatural things in a moment, in a crisis, in a pinch. And it's a supernatural endowment. It doesn't last forever. 
Just like all these gifts of the Spirit, they're, they're just bursts. We've called them in one of the previous lessons, they're micro sovereign moves of God because you can't turn them on, you can't turn them off. God moves as he wants to and when he's done, he's done. And so same with special faith. And, and I, I think the, the definition of this will become more clear when we look at the examples of it from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It's a lot of stuff to cover here, but I guess we're bold enough or maybe special faith maintains our ability to think we actually can cover all this. Working of miracles allows God to work through us. The gift of faith often requires an element or flavor of danger in order to cause it to operate. Persecution is a good thing. Looking at a fiery furnace is a good thing. Not for your flesh, but for your faith, because you never know how much you'll cry out to God or run from him until pressure is placed upon you. And so uh, oftentimes this uh, special faith, you see at work when there's an element of danger in the lives of the person. This gift will keep you, in, you calm in a time of danger. It may also be that the gift of faith in operation uh, will allow you to instantly deliver someone from demon possession. There are times in dealing with demons, and you see it in the Bible, there are times when Jesus and the apostles instantly cast out demons, and there are times where it took a little bit of a struggle. I think from my, my own personal experience in pastoring and preaching the gospel, there's maybe been four or five instances where I could instantly cast a demon out just with the word, go, or be gone, or come out in Jesus' name. The other instances have taken a, a little bit of wrestling, and that would seem to me, Brother Hagin taught this, as did Howard Carter, which were both great men of faith, uh, that the gift of special faith allows you to instantly cast a demon out without any argument, any fighting. You see Jesus doing that many times, but then there's some instances where they wanted to wrestle, they wanted to complain. They didn't instantly come out. Same with the apostles. So when the gift of special faith comes in, you can declare a thing and it's instantly established and there's no one doing it. But we can't turn that thing on or off. We hope, we believe that when we go to cast a demon out, it comes out instantly. But you also have to be prepared. You might wrestle for an hour or three and just labor. Amen. This would explain why the disciples were able to cast out some devils and not others and why Paul endured a demonic buffeting for several days before casting the devil out in the book of Acts. The woman with the spirit of Python who brought her, her owners much uh, gain for many days, she said, listen to these men. They do declare unto us the salvation of God. And Paul, being grieved after several days, said, come out in Jesus' name. Why didn't he do that the first day? Maybe no special faith in operation. He had to wait for it. Now, this opens up a whole branch of the spirit realm most Christians will never scratch at because they're still just trying to work to get to church faithfully. I mean, if you can't get to church faithfully, don't expect special faith. <laughs> Amen. Examples of the gift of faith. Supernatural provision. Again, we said special faith produces personal protection or provision or casting out demons in a word. Supernatural provision. Elijah believed God to be provided for by ravens at the brook Cherith, and a supernatural provision came in. That took special faith for birds to feed you. Carnivorous birds at that. Not all birds are carnivorous. Blackbirds, ravens are carnivorous. They eat meat. Right? So you, this bird's got to bring you meat and not eat it itself. That's pretty supernatural. The widow of Zarephath believed God at the prophet's word that her oil and meal would not run empty. That's a miracle. That's special faith receives a miracle. The prophet's widow believed that the, uh, the prophet Elisha's word and God supplied enough oil to pay off debt and live on. Supernatural protection. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believe God for safety in the fiery furnace. That's, that's a special faith. 
You look at that thing and you don't burn and, and then you say boldly, hey, whether God delivers us or not, it don't matter. We're not bending our knee to you, but our God will deliver us. Not only was it so special they didn't burn, but Jesus showed up in the fire. Even the pagan said, there's a fourth man in there and his countenance is likened to the son of God. How do they know what the son of God looks like? It just lets you know that when everybody sees Jesus, they know who he is, the son of God, special faith. Daniel believed God for protection in the lion's den. You know, I, I like one of my favorite sermons is Dr. Lester Summerall preaching on Sha, uh, Daniel in the lion's den and how, as he imagined the story, Daniel rolling over and punching that lion saying, quit snoring, I'm trying to sleep here. Move that paw, I'm kind of cold. Put it on me here, I'm chilly. <laughs> yeah, that's supernatural special faith. Jesus rested peacefully in the hold of the ship during a storm. Everybody else, these experienced, seasoned sailors were freaking out, taking on water. Cares thou not that we perish? And Jesus is down there sleeping in a hammock. Why? Because before they left, he said, we're going to the other side. Jesus said it. He believed it. He went to sleep. I believe even if they'd gotten to the other side and they're full of water, they'd still gotten to the other side and... He just said, see, I told you, we got to the other side. I don't know, nobody ever discusses whether when he calmed the storm, did all the water disappear out of the boat? Did the boat rise? Because they said, we're sinking, we're perishing. They weren't just being battered, they were going down. Jesus, they had to wake him up because uh, his faith certainly wasn't waking him up. Paul believed the word of, of, of an angel concerning the safety of the ship on which he was a prisoner. And that's special faith. Supernatural protection. Casting out devils. Jesus cast out devils with his word. Jesus cast a legion of devils out with one word. Go. Paul endured demon advertisement for many days before casting the spirit of Python out of a girl with one word. Come out in Jesus' name. Supernatural blessings. Isaac pronounced the family blessing unknowingly upon Jacob and could not renounce it. Now this is so contrary to American lingo. Oh, as the American says, oh, I'm sorry, I blessed the wrong kid, uh, mulligan, do-over, I take it back. When special faith is in operation, you can't take it back. You declared it. It's done. We may be tonight, I, I, I may, if God permits me, I want to teach on just simple faith tonight at our Sunday night service about having what you say, because I think we've all gotten a little sloppy in our faith confession and we say things like, that just kills me, that tickles me to death. Man, it, we're just not going to make it. And you don't realize you're killing your life with your own words. And so the Bible's very clear. Jesus Christ said in Mark 11, you can have what you say. And so we, in my household, we always say, if we can have what we say, then we say what we want, according to the Bible. But now you can have what you say, even if it's not biblical. You can say, this thing's killing me. That's not biblical, but you can have it. I'm just losing my mind. Really? That's not biblical, but you can have that too. And so the Bible is very clear. We may go just have a refresher course on that tonight just to help us in the situation. Lots of times in our life, symptoms come and opposition comes by the devil to make us start to say what he wants us to say. So we'll call it as he sees it so we can give him power. Because the devil walk, operates off the same things the Holy Spirit does, words and prayer. That's why the sorcerers and the Satanists, they pray and they give demons power. They sacrifice and they give demons power. Christians do the same thing and give demons power. We pray the most ungodless thing and confess the most ungodless thing and wonder why our prayers don't work. 
because we shoot ourselves in the foot with our own mouth. But that may be tonight, God willing, and, and the crick don't rise. Supernatural blessings. By special faith, you declare a thing, and it's instantly established. If special faith is not an operation, you have to labor and endure by faith. You have to have faith and patience. But when you declare a thing by special faith, it's, it's instantly established. It cannot be undone. And Isaac did that. He pronounced the blessing upon Jacob, and he could not renounce it. He even told Esau, I have blessed your brother. What left is there to give you? And it's almost when you study Jacob had to kind of, excuse me, Isaac had to scrounge around for a little bit of a blessing he'd forgotten to give Jacob and kind of sprinkle it on Esau because that was special faith. Eli blessed Hannah and she bare Samuel. He said, the Lord grant unto you your heart's desire, your request. And she got pregnant and had a son named Eli, excuse me, Samuel. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham. These are all examples of supernatural special faith. Special faith works by believing and declaring. And it receives provision, it receives protection, it pronounces blessing, it declares something, and it's supernaturally established. For me personally, I may have only operated in special faith maybe just like three or four times. We need to see more of it. We need to see more of it. Gifts of healing. Let's move on. Gifts of healing. This is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the realm of sickness and disease with the sole purpose of eliminating the ailment. This is not working of miracles. We'll explain working of miracles. Now, again, this is one of those things where we're always going to say, it's a miracle. She got healed. Hallelujah. But it wasn't working of miracles. It was gifts of healing. In a Sunday school like this, we can split hairs. We're not going to swatch you on the wrist or on your knuckles if you call it the nine gifts of the Spirit, not the nine manifestations, or if you call it a miracle when really it was a gift of healing or a special faith. But we are going to split hairs for the teaching of it because the Holy Spirit saw fit to split hairs when he expounded upon it through the Apostle Paul. So, healings reveal God's mercy towards mankind, and aren't you glad he wants us healed? Amen. Don't ever doubt whether God wants you healed, whether God wants you to have a baby, whether God wants you to have perfect vision, whether God wants you to have a healthy body. Your body is fearfully and wonderfully made, and God wants your body healthy. Don't let the devil talk you out of it or religiosity. If God doesn't want you healthy, we should shut down every hospital. Furthermore, if God puts sickness upon us to teach us something, you should never go to the hospital because what you're saying is, I want to cheat on the test. Right? If sick, now, because that's a religious, it's a doctrine of devils that sickness comes upon you to teach you something. If that is an accurate assessment of God's word, then we should never go to the hospital or the medicine cabinet or the pharmacy when we get a symptom. Because if sickness comes to teach us something, what you're saying is, I don't want to learn anything, God. I want to confront your will, confound it, frustrate it. And so I don't care what you have to say, Lord. I just want to stop bleeding out of my face. But even the folks that believe sickness will teach you something will be the first to call 911 and get an appointment with their doctor and go through the medicine cabinet. Have we got any? Have we got any? Have we got any? They're also the last to go to the Bible and actually see what God might say. Amen. It's often been pointed out most Christians can give you all their prescriptions and milligrams and they can't give you three healing verses. When Proverbs is very clear, God's word is medicine and life and health to all of our flesh. And one of the redemptive names of Jesus Christ is the Lord our healer. Amen. Not the Lord our pharmacist. 
I'm not against pharmacists. I'm doped up right now, just to be honest with you, because my nose won't stop running. Because some kid in Iceland thought, I can't skip my Iceland missionary trip. I'm bringing the sickness with me. And somehow or another, I caught it. I've been resisting and rebuking it ever since. So I'm one to go to the medicine cabinet because I don't have time all the time to pray and believe God. I got, I'm too busy. I, I, my, my, my doctrine is do whatever you got to do to keep on marching. Amen. You know, if you have a broken bone, pray and believe God, but go to the hospital, let them set that thing and get it fixed. Amen. All right. You guys are awfully unresponsive on this wonderful Sunday morning. Amen. Thank God he wants us healed. This is separate and distinct from the working of miracles. Other side note, have you ever noticed that the international paramedic or medical symbol is the serpent on a pole? That's so cool. That is taken from Moses in the book of Numbers. The brazen serpent upon the pole, who the New Testament says that serpent was Jesus. Even as the serpent on the pole was lifted up, Jesus was lifted up on the pole. And whoever looked to that serpent was healed. Right? Bitten by the serpent. And whoever looks unto Jesus shall be healed. And the paramedic community say, I like that symbol. Now, there is a pagan one from the Roman Greco time that has the wings. That's a sign of witchcraft. It has two snakes. That's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about just the serpent wrapped around the pole. They often get mistaken and confused. One of them is a sign of a Greek goddess and goddesses and all that. The other is biblical. They're often interchanged just ignorantly. Go research it. Anyway, all right. This is separate and distinct from the work of miracles. It does not include any form of medical science. Hear me very clearly. Gifts of healing has nothing to do with medical science. Uh, We actually had this discussion in that pretty blue lagoon that you saw from Iceland. And I was witnessing to some folks from Canada. And and, uh, I saw a window of opportunity, so I got to talking to them about being on the uh, the mission field and seeing healing signs and wonders and how the Western world, including Canada and America, doesn't see signs and wonders anymore because we have medicine and we don't need God. And then this woman, she had to, she had to be a nurse because only nurses defend their, their career like this. She said, well, God gives us medicine. And I said, yes, ma'am, he does, but he also gives us the miraculous too. And I wasn't about to argue with her because there's just no point. Uh, folks want to defend and say, well, God gives us medicine so we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. When med- and I'm all for medicine healing, so don't misunderstand me. And I, I have to have a special doctor because of my medical past, and I, I have a very colorful thing, and I believe in inoculations, and I believe in vaccinations, and I'm, I'm, you know, what have you. I believe in vaccinations enough to get everyone that the states require me to get to go into their country to preach the gospel. But... When Jesus heals you, he gets the glory. When Dr. Arnst saves your leg from being amputated, Dr. Arnst gets the glory. Amen. There's the difference. I am all for medical science. Thank God for it. May they find a cure for cancer, AIDS, leukemia, Down syndrome. May they fix everything for mercy's sake, for the people's sake. But I want Jesus Christ to be glorified. I thank God for all the great nurses and doctors I've ever had, but we had to pray to help them because they couldn't find it all the time. Amen. All right. Heathen can operate in medical science, but the gifts of the Spirit are given to the church. See, there's a big distinction. This gift is very prominent in the New Testament with, some, with only some sprinklings in the Old. Examples of the gifts of healing. The children of Israel were healed of snake bites when they looked upon the brazen serpent erected by Moses. Isaiah healed King Hezekiah of boils with a lump of figs. 
Naaman the leper was healed when he obeyed the word of the prophet Elisha and washed in the river Jordan. Jesus operated constantly in the gifts of healing. In fact, that was one of his threefold parts of his ministry, teaching, preaching, and healing. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. The deaf and speech impeded man was healed when Jesus put his fingers in his ear, spit, and touched his tongue. You don't see that in every prayer line. Yeah. I like that. He stuck his fingers in his ears, then he stuck his tongue, then he spit on him. It had to be on his nose. And he said, open. And the guy could hear and speak and see. A blind man was healed after Jesus spit on his eyes and laid hands on him twice. I mean, that's, uh, that's almost like, I don't know, weird. Thank God we don't have doctrine for spitting. I mean, it's, we see Jesus do it twice. Thank God Mark 16 doesn't say, believers shall spit on the sick and they shall recover. Because you know some Pentecostal in the upper come will be going, oh, this one's really anointed. <laughs> That's how you trim down your prayer line. I feel a healing anointing coming on. No, that's the flu. <laughs> uh, the man born blind was healed when Jesus made clay out of spit and dirt and anointed his eyes. I guess we have three references to spit. Maybe that's why some of the preachers do spit so much. They're just trying to be like Jesus. The disciples operate in gifts of healing. You see several examples of that. The lame man at the gate beautiful was healed when Peter manifested the gifts of healing. And he said, silver and gold have I none. But isn't it amazing? Folks still come to church looking for a handout. And we still say, silver and gold have we none. But what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and obey God. In fact, that's what I'm preaching to you this morning. Get up and do something for God. Quit looking for a handout. Stephen, a deacon, operated in the gifts of healing. And they killed him for it. That and his bold preaching. Philip the evangelist manifested the gifts of healing in Samaria. And the Bible says, and there was not little rejoicing, which means there was a lot of rejoicing in Samaria. Demons were coming out of people. The whole city got healed. Samaria was, it was basically the hood. Samaria was the, was the region of half-breed Jews that had betrayed the God of Israel and had worshipped false gods for the last 500 years. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Sanballat was the chief of the Samaritans in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, so uh, up until the time of Jesus, they still could not stand the Samaritans. But that's why Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Don't forget those folks you're bigoted against, the half-breeds. And God moved a mighty work there. Paul healed a crippled man by the gifts of healing in Acts 14. He perceived he had faith to be healed. The gifts of healing are different than the prayer of faith that saves the sick, the anointing with oil, the laying on of hands, or simply praying and petitioning for your own healing. And deliverance, so these can work in conjunction with the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing turn on, and then all of a sudden they're done. The Bible says of Jesus, and the power of God was present to heal them all. That's the gifts of healing. But it, was, it doesn't say that everywhere he went. Some places it says he could only heal a few minor ailments, a few sick folk. The gifts of the Spirit weren't in full operation there. So we have to believe God for him. The Bible says, desire earnestly the best gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. We have to desire these, but we can't control them. Now, if the Lord speaks to us and says, have a healing service, well, we can sur surely set our faith and say, Lord, if we're going to have a healing service, so that means we're going to pray for healing. We're going to thank you for healing. We're going to sing songs about healing. We're going to teach on healing. And then you're going to have to manifest with the gifts of healing if that's what the Lord said he wants to do. And so we can cooperate and function with the Holy Spirit. What becomes shameful is when you see ministers try to pimp these gifts of the Spirit because that's to say I control the Holy Spirit, and I certainly don't. 
we can say let's believe God or we can say we're open to the Holy Spirit moving. But if it's as he wills, well, then we don't control it. I can't control whether I get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. If an angel manifests, I didn't control that. And all of a sudden I can see an angel. I, I didn't turn that on or off. The other way some Christians talk, you think they do control it because they see angels every third day and they've talked to Jesus in person. He sits down and plays chess with them and has coffee with them or Earl Grey tea. And I think, no, you're weird. Only demons manifest that much. But please understand with the gifts, we cooperate with them, but we don't control them. They manifest as the Lord wills. And that's how we can answer folks that say, well, if you can heal people, just heal everybody. Not even Jesus healed everybody. Not even the prophets healed everybody. So that's just, that's just ignorance there. And it comes out of the fact that folks won't study these passages because they, it just, they just won't. Next is working of miracles at Galatians 3 and 5. A supernatural working of miracles is a supernatural demonstration of the power of God whereby the laws of nature are altered, suspended, or controlled. This gift works the miracle through us. This is different and distinct from the gifts of healings. Healings are healings, and miracles are miracles. If they were the same, why would the Holy Spirit distinguish between the two of them? Now again, if we're going to call them the same thing back and forth, but we just need to understand how this thing works. And once we start to see what miracles are, we'll say, well, yeah, that has nothing to do with healing. You know, walking on water is a miracle. It's not a healing. Quenching fire is a miracle. It's not a healing. So I think we're going to make the axe head float. The iron axe head float on water when iron is, what, 19.8 grams per cubic centimeter? That's gold. Iron's going to be about 15. And water's one gram per cubic centimeter. It's going to sink. And to make that thing float, that violates the laws of nature. That's a miracle. has nothing to do with healing. Amen. If they were the same, why would the Holy Spirit distinguish between the two of them? The Old Testament prophets operate extensively in this gift to establish their authority among the people. Miracles demonstrate the power of God. So uh, special faith preserves God's people and blesses them. Gift of miracle uh, healings demonstrates God's mercy towards people. And working of miracles demonstrates God's power towards people or among people. So you have mercy, power, and goodness, provision, protection. So here, let's look at some examples of the working of miracles. Moses wrought miracles. When you throw a rod down and it turns into a snake, that's a miracle. It has nothing to do with healing. And when your snake eats up the other snakes and then turns back into a stick, that's a miracle. <laughs> one of the things, one of the reasons Moses or Pharaoh hardened his heart is because up until a certain point, his sorcerers could reproduce the same miracles through demon power. He throws his rod down, turns into a snake. The sorcerers do the same thing. So God ups the ante. His, his snake eats their snakes. Then slithers back, turns back into a stick. <laughs> Crown me, you know. It's like checkmate, gotcha. <laughs> he parted the Red Sea. That's a miracle. When, when, when you part the Red Sea, and we, talk, we have talked about this with Christians among the geotechnical industry, think about all the water that had to come out of the sand so that you don't have hydraulic conditions and I mean just all this stuff you know what about the, the hydraulic head how tall is the Red Sea pushing down why is the water not coming back up as like through an aquifer it's miraculous everywhere you look at it and they're not getting stuck in mud and they're not sinking in wet sand and there's no fish flopping there or no shark or what happens if a whale got beached talk about a speed bump I mean every way you look at it it's a miracle and the Bible says he did it with the blast of his nostrils 
That's a miracle. Healing the waters at Merah, he threw in a stick, a tree, and he made the bitter water sweet. Samson slaying the lion. Only a miracle can take a lion and just break it in half. Samson tore the city gates off their posts and carried them on his shoulders uphill to Hebron, a distance greater than 30 miles. That's a miracle. What's more miraculous is God didn't kill him because he had just gotten out of bed with a prostitute. But that's a miracle. They don't think about like the doors here that into our sanctuary, the doors to a city. So think about Castle Grayskull, if you're an old He-Man from the 80s. <laughs> think about Knights of the Round Table, big city gates. Put them on your shoulder, carry them uphill. Joshua caused the earth to stop rotating after the Battle of Gibeon. How do you stop the earth from rotating? It has nothing to do with healing the sick or healing a broken bone. Or causing eyes to see. That's a miracle. Jeroboam's altar split at the word of a prophet. How do, how do you make just an altar, just a crack open, a stone altar? It's a miracle. Elijah commanded a drought and then prayed for rain. He stopped up the heavens for three and a half years and at his word it rained again. That's a miracle. It alters the, the, the laws of nature. It alters the laws of physics, biology. That's what makes it a miracle. Elijah called down fire from heaven onto an altar. Elijah outran a horse and chariot for about 30 miles. That's a miracle. He pulled his britches up, says he girded up his loins, which means he, he pulled his, his robe up through the backside and probably tied it through his sash, and they outran the horse and chariot. And uh, knowing that it was the king's horse and chariot, it had to have been the swiftest because you don't give the king the fat horse. You give him the swiftest because if the king needs to get out of town, he needs to get out of town. And he outran that horse and chariot. You know, it's the Lexus of the horse and chariots. Elijah parted the, the Jordan with the slap of a coat. That Jordan's been parted so many times. That river's like, oh, come on, God, I'm exhausted here. All the creation groans, and I've been slapped, I've been walked on, I've been dipped in, and I've been called the filthiest of all the rivers. I think even the, the, the Jordan is waiting for redemption. Elijah called, uh, caused a, a lost axe head to swim in water. Not only did it float, apparently it swam too. I don't know if it was the breaststroke, the backstroke, side stroke, butterfly, <laughs> tree splitter. Isaiah caused the sun to go back as a sign that Hezekiah would be healed. So he didn't just stop the earth from rotating. He reversed the earth's rotation. I believe that. I'm just stupid enough to believe my Bible. What is the earth to God? It's nothing. Jesus fed the multitudes with only a small source. Twice he did that. Jesus rebuked a storm. Peter walked on water. These are all examples of the working of miracles. They suspend the laws of physics and the laws of nature because God made them. He can suspend them if he wants to. He can hit pause. He can undo things. Now, without the working of miracles, you can't walk on water. Without the working of miracles, you can't rebuke a storm. Without the working of miracles, you can't make the earth go backwards. Without the working of miracles, you're tempting God. That's why people die. They handle snakes. That's stupid. That's tempting God. Uh, you know, if you, if you torment a snake, it ought to bite you. Amen. So we got a bunch of examples here of other working of miracles that God did and demonstrated. Galatians 3 is probably one of the best ones that lets us know that this is still supposed to be happening in our churches today. Galatians 3, 5 says, He that ministers the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, talking about the minister or the preacher, 
Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so by faith, we can get the working of miracles in our church. We can plead and, and pray and ask God for these miracles, signs, and wonders. And we really need it in these last days. All the prophets from Smith Wigglesworth on into uh, the, those that have just passed on to heaven, they've all foreseen a great revival of the signs and the gifts of the Spirit. Dr. Sumrall said that the last thing he saw coming upon the earth before the Lord's return was the, the, a revival of the gifts of the Spirit and signs and wonders, unlike the church has ever seen. And we need that. The world is darker than it's ever been. We need the supernatural power of God. The problem is the church has to pray that stuff in. A revival is God's answer to the hearts of his people. Revival is, a, is an answer to the cry of God's people. God answered Egypt, Israel after they cried long enough and loud enough. God answered on the day of Pentecost after the church had sought him long enough and loud enough. Now these were appointed times, but it seems that they corresponded not only in God's timing, but when the faith level reached there. I served a, a pastor in Key West, Florida years ago, 17 years ago now, a man named Ernie DeLoach. And he was a missionary to the Bahamas in the 70s and 80s. He pioneered several churches on several islands. He'd seen, he, he saw three people raised from the dead by his own prayers in hand. And then he saw in, in the Grand Bahama Island, when they had their church that was dedicated by Jimmy Swaggart in the 80s, they, they, on a regular basis, they saw cancers healed. They saw cancers roll off of people. They saw tumors explode. And the reason they had such an incident of cancers is because right across the street from their beautiful facility was this homeopathic peripheral cancer treatment facility where when medical science couldn't help you, folks would go down to Grand Bahama Island and go to this facility. Even, uh, I think it was President Gerald Ford's sister who had cancer. She even went down to this facility seeking secondary treatment when medical science says we can't give you any more radiation, any more chemo. So they had a lot of folks that would come over to their church after that place had given up on them, and they were constantly watching tumors explode or roll off of people, people walk who'd never walked before. And this was just in the 80s, not the 1880s or the year 80, 1980s, under the Reagan administration. And uh, I said, Pastor, we, we were having, I remember we were having Sliced sausage, sliced cheese on crackers in the church uh, um, fellowship hall when he was telling us these stories. I said, why don't we see that in America? He said, real easy, son. He was in his late 60s. He said, we don't need God in America. We have our hospitals. We have our pensions. We have our retirements. We don't need God. He said, what carried that revival that we had in Grand Bahama was the women he said the women would come to church seven days a week at four o'clock in the morning with rollers in their hair and they would cry out to God for two hours that God would move and touch people. He said, I was ashamed. I'd come to the church and they'd be the people, women just wailing, walking up and down the sanctuary, rollers in their hair and then at six they'd go home and get ready for work. He said that happened day after day after day. He said those women carried revival in our church. It was their cry, their hearts. He said, I would come to church to preach and the power of God would just be there. And that's the difference. That's the third world nation. We, we, we don't have time for that. So we think. But if things get bad enough, and that's honestly to, to kind of break your heart, the Chinese church prays that we get persecuted. <laughs> Thank you, Chinese brothers and sisters. <laughs> Brother, something wrong with you? Why would you pray that for me? But they know what it does for them. It makes them strong. 
So the Chinese church, I've heard this several times, the Chinese church prays that the American church, the Western church, feels persecution because they believe it's the only thing that'll save us. And when you're persecuted and they're coming after you and your kids, you don't realize how much you'll cry out to God and then he'll touch you. And the miracles we see in the Bible were in times of desperation. They weren't genies. They were because something had to happen or somebody was perishing. And we live such a comfortable buffeted or and by buffet I mean there's a soft buffeting around us there's a soft comfort zone around us we don't really need God now I think you and I know we do and I commend you for coming to church when you can be just as comfortable as you want to in this day and age and go to hell you can go to hell healthy these days you can go to hell rich but the folks uh, folks I know that have seen revival it always was carried by prayer we're praying church and uh, I'm not saying we have the endurance to come here at 4 a.m. to pray for two hours, but that's just what Pastor Deloach said. Those Bahamian women carried that revival, crying out for God. They didn't even need the healing. They just wanted to see another one. <laughs> and so uh, that's what it takes. And that, that's a fulfillment of what Paul said. Covet earnestly the best gifts. The word covet there is the Greek word for lust. Lust earnestly after the best gifts. Want it so bad you can taste it. And unfortunately, you, you and I, we understand, myself included, a lot of us in our hunger for God is just say, eh, eh. And that's, that's why the, the American country is in the condition that it's in. So if we're going to obey God, in part, we've got to covet earnestly the best gifts. Father, I pray that you help us to hunger for you more than ever. May we be like the Bahamian church under Pastor Ernie DeLoach, that assemblies of God church that saw so many miracles and signs and wonders through the 80s. May we be hungrier here. May the American church be hungrier. Father, I know you're probably going to honor the prayers of our Chinese brothers and sisters that are praying that the Western church feel the heat of persecution because the Chinese church lives under it and they thrive and it terrifies the communist government. Father, I pray though that we don't have to get to that point to be hungry for you. We'd be hungry for you because we love you. We wouldn't have to worry about a divorce before we were serious about our marriage. We'd be serious about our marriage to you because we love you and we just love you. Father, help us as a local church and help our community, help this nation to be hungrier for you. And may we see a great outpouring of miracles, signs, and wonders so that the lost would be converted and be born again. Father, I thank you for blessing these lessons in Jesus' name. Amen.